0: And a triumphant welcome, if you're an England fan, to the Analyst Inside Cricket after that drubbing of the West Indies today at Old Trafford. 269 run win. Absolutely emphatic, and of course England as a result actually now hold the Wisdom Trophy forever because uh, the Wisdom Trophy will not be competed for anymore. We've talked about this already, that it's now going to be the Botham Richards Trophy. Uh, joining us, we've got Faz Mohammed from Trinidad again and Simon Mann from his uh, biosecure bubble that he's about to escape from at Old Trafford. And before we even carry on, we have to congratulate you, Faz, because this is what you said two and a half weeks ago. <laughs>
1: For the West Indies, uh, if they can recapture some of that that, that spirit that they've shown over the last couple of years, I think they would have gelled together beautifully over the time that they've been in isolation. That might be a plus for them. So I think they'll be competitive, but... The concern about that, the batting, that will be a major concern. I don't think they, they can paper that over at all. And I think England home experience, uh, the fact that they, they've got co- some, some quality players, even without a Joe Root in the first Test match, I, I think they should be able to edge it
0: 2-1. So you got it spot on,
1: 2-1. How did you know? Well, at least I got one thing right. I usually get almost everything wrong. So uh, at, at the end of it all, uh, you, you get just get the feeling that, look... Uh, England are, are stronger at home, but there's always that element of vulnerability. I actually thought England would win the first test, the West Indies would rebound, and then England would win the decider. It it, it worked very differently, but still, I'll take all the credit for 2-1. Lucky guess. <laughs> but actually,
0: it's funny because it was 2-1 the last time the West Indies came here, but 2-1 in a rather different way. In that series, England absolutely humbled the West Indies in that first test. It was a pink ball test. I think it was the first ever pink ball test and the West Indies were bowled out in about 30 overs in the first innings and it was really a mismatch. Then there was that brilliant win at Headingley and then England came back to to seal the series 2-1 at Lords. So this time it's been a a slightly more undignified exit, let's say.
1: Yeah, it feels a lot worse than... Three years ago, although it's still uh, a final score of 2-1, certainly the West Indies surprised everyone. Most people, indeed, even the, the most optimistic West Indians... Probably wouldn't think the Westerners would start with a victory in Southampton, especially in a low scoring match. Uh, but then it's been, been downhill and downhill pretty rapidly uh, to, to the extent that uh, you lose a test match uh, that is ruined by rain, all of the fourth day loss, a bit of a sprinkle here and there on the fifth day, and then it comes bucketing down 30 minutes after you lose uh, in, in next to no time. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it creates an, an environment where you again find yourself asking the question as so many Westerners will be doing right now, as to, I mean, wh- where do we go from here? What happens next? Because you, you looked competitive, you made some poor decisions captaincy-wise as far as your tactics, you went with the same team essentially all the way through except to the last match, and you, you've kept faith in players who were not performing. So, again, a lot of questions to be asked, and we often don't get the right answers. Simon,
0: uh, England, on the other hand, got better. Well, they were remorseless,
2: relentless in this last Test match. And actually, I, I looked at their attack for this game, and I thought, that's a pretty good attack, that is. That, that is going to test this West Indies batting line-up. And they, they had no answers, really. I mean, as the longer the series went on, the more it felt as if West Indies were being worn down. And you know, not least today. I mean, the, it, West Indies had no answer today. Uh, against Broad and and Chris Wokes and I mean the other thing as well at the end of the game today uh, you talk about 2-1 and and Faz's fantastic prediction of course last wicket today Butler taking a catch off Blackwood down the leg side go back to Southampton final day there Blackwood giving a chance down the leg side Butler dropped it Blackwood went from 20 to 95 and, and West Indies on the match it's funny how things go when you're on the up and that's what England were today so everything was going their way i would just one thing faz though, it, it, the sun is out now so I, I, the west indies would have had to face more overs it wouldn't have been the end of the game you know it's what a strange old day it's been in manchester today well in the last couple of days but you know england overcame the weather problems and a stubborn west indies side i mean they have been stubborn but ultimately i think in these conditions you know manchester conditions it's, it's really hard, and not, not quite good enough, really. It, 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 and an old
0: Trafford service that offered a bit to the seamers. Do you think um, it helped England that they were able to, partly by accident and partly by uh, design, to rotate their bowlers? So Broad only played two tests, Wokes only played two tests, Anderson only played two, and Archer only played two.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And also, the other thing as well, of course, it seems to me, is if Broad was, you know, fired up and... You know, his stats in this series have been fantastic. You know, he's been England's match winner in this game. He played a significant contribution in the last game. Albeit, he did take a bit of time to get into the last match. He was about 0 for 60 at one stage. And then he got on a roll. And West Indies have been unable to stop him. Yeah, I, I think it has been significant. I just wonder whether West Indies could have been a bit braver. And I mentioned this uh, earlier in the Test match. You know, could they have batted first? Did they trust themselves to bat first? Probably not. Could they change their side and give them one or two younger bowlers a go? I mean, bowlers that we haven't seen that much of over here. So, you know, that might have felt like a bit of a gamble. So those, if if you like, sort of conservative tactics have not paid off for the West Indies. Sometimes you could just say, you know, like, I don't know, in football, Manchester City playing against Norwich or Crystal Palace, you know, in the the better side one especially in these conditions. You know, north of England... Ball nipping around a bit, good England attack.
0: You know, England. You sort of feel you'd back them to come out on top. Yeah, and of course, actually, um, interestingly, I think twenty of the sixty West Indies wickets. Well, actually, they didn't lose sixty wickets in the series, did they? Because they won the first test, so it was twenty of about fifty-five wickets they lost were LBW, uh, and there did seem to be a tendency, faz, for the batsmen to play back to balls they should have gone forward to. It sounds basic, but sometimes the basics are important.
1: Yeah, a lot of technical shortcomings being highlighted again. I mean, uh, even Shane Dowrich, for example, jumping around the crease and being LBW three times. Uh, as you said, uh, batsmen caught in the crease, unsettled by the short pitch bowling round the wicket. Uh, and again, every other team, whenever the Westerners are back playing Test cricket, will take notice of their discomfort to short pitch bowling. Even Jermaine Blackwood last out, but he was swatting them away like pesky mosquitoes every time he was getting a short ball just on or about the body some of the the basic elements, they didn't look comfortable at all. And and even when we talk about a Shea Hope, for example, looking as if he might get a decent innings, look at the shot he gets out with. a skyer towards almost mid-on, which tells Mm. you a a lot about either their state of mind or their inability to apply themselves for a long time.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because we've talked about this before, but the West Indies side of the 80s and 90s and, and prior to that Very aggressive batsmen, flamboyant. That's almost the sort of byword for West Indies batting. was, you know, charismatic and uh, completely fearless. And they loved the bouncers. I remember watching club games in Barbados. You know, loads of bouncers bowled, loads of short balls, loads of big, fast bowlers chucking it down short of the length and, you know, batsmen having a big hook at it. And it was was a joyful part of Caribbean cricket. But now they seem intimidated by it. Why, Why
1: would that be? I I suppose there's a lot of issues tied into it Uh, and some of it has to do with the the, the quality of our domestic game and, and that's a major concern and I think you can trace the decline of Caribbean cricket as a a test force back to the standard of our domestic game where you generally find pitches, slow and low spinners, taking bagfuls of wickets and almost being lulled into a false sense of security. For example, Jermaine Blackwood, his last first-class innings here in the Caribbean was a double hundred. Uh, and, and he scored his highest tally uh, of first-class runs in a single season. But then again, you watch his technique, caught twice at mid-off, even in that victory in the first Test match. There are certain things that our players do that go against the grid. You, you, you talked, Simon, about uh, the, the West City's flamboyance. But even we talk about a Gordon Greenwich, for example, as flamboyant as anyone gets, but almost the perfect technique. The perfect defensive mm. technique, everything in place when it comes to defending your wicket. So it's not just about the flair and the flamboyance that you talked about, which is very valid, but also the fundamentals of the game and appreciating when you need to make those adjustments.
0: That's very true. I, I remember bowling to Gordon Greenwich and thinking, I don't I, never mind his his cut, which is going to take the hands off the gully fielder, or his pull, which is going to, you know, injure the square leg, but. His defence, his forward defence, you just thought, how the hell am I going to get past that? And and I never did. Uh, but, but you know, the, the modern player, the modern West Indies player doesn't seem to have much of a fence. I mean, even Craig Brathwaite, great kind of application, but goes back and tries to sort of almost play French cricket in a way. And he seems to be a
1: hostage to fortune on
0: these sort of pitches.
1: Yeah, just, just almost as if and you looked at the way he got out today and you watched it on the replay looked even worse just trying to shovel the ball away into the offside looking very square on very ungainly uh, yes, he tries he tries very, very hard he works hard on his game he started the series well with that half century and so on but if, if you've got techniques that are questionable as, as, as Simon said quite correctly from, from his biosecure bubble, you're going to be sorted out at, at, at Old Trafford uh, the West Indies would have had that tradition in the 60s of winning at Old Trafford uh, because they had that balanced sort of attack you had Hall and Griffith and then Lance Gibbs would bowl England out on the last day in 63 and 66 this time around the the West Indies seem to put all their eggs in a single basket, they they, they seem to lack confidence in wanting to bat first uh, as, as well, even when you've won the toss and everything points towards batting first. So there are a number of elements tied into it.
0: Do you think, Simon, that uh, there's going to be a Stuart Broad end at Trent Bridge now? <laughs>
2: Well, he didn't start there, did he? I mean, Jimmy Anderson's played all his cricket at, at Old Trafford. He, Stuart. So you broad. think it should be at Grace Road, do? You? Well, well, I don't know. What do you do? Perhaps, <laughs> a, perhaps a Stuart end at, at Trent Bridge and a Broad end at, at Grace Road. I don't know, half, half and half. Um, well, he, he he's been fantastic, hasn't he? And the fact that he was left out in the first Test match has got him going. Although you know, he, he said afterwards today, you know, he accepted that he's not going to play all six test matches this summer because it's just too much for one bowler to play in, in all those games. And actually, as it's turned out, I suppose you could say uh, rotation has worked for England ultimately. I mean, cl- clearly, they would have liked to win the series 3-0. They weren't massively far away from doing that, but tremendous credit to West Indies for, I thought was a really good chase on the on the last day at Southampton because they could easily have crumbled as they did today, but they, they resisted. Um, what do England do now, I wonder? You know, what do they do? First Pakistan test is, is a week away. I presume we get... Do they go, actually, I mean, because it's the first test match of a series and England have struggled in the first test match of a series, I wonder whether they just roughly stick with the same attack. But a lot depends on whether Ben Stokes is, is fit enough to bowl, of course, because that, ch- that changes the balance of the team. They had to change the team in this game to compensate for the fact that Stokes couldn't bowl and they, and they left a batsman out. And, and that actually made them... Although West Indies you know, did lose emphatically in the end, there was a point of vulnerability for England on the first day when they were about 120 for four, and West Indies were unable to make the most of that. Um, but it does show that England have a vulnerability in their batting, especially if they leave a, an extra batsman out. And you know, If they'd lost another wicket quickly, five down for 150, one wonders what might have happened
0: in that England first innings. Yeah. I suppose they have the great advantage, of course, of playing another game at Old Trafford, in a week's time just over a week's time which uh you know they now know that uh, conditions extremely well the bowlers didn't would weren't overworked in this test match really so there's no reason why they shouldn't just play the same guys again uh chris Wokes took five wickets today it's funny, isn't it, how it often goes like that—that that, you know, one bowler is a bit unlucky in the first innings, and then he gets the wickets in the second innings. And Broad finished it off today, but but got three in the, in, the, in the innings. So what was it four? Maybe it was four actually. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, Broad, Broad has been amazing. I'm uh, just looking down actually his list of when he took his various milestones: first wicket 2006, hundredth wicket 2011. So five years to get his first hundred, then. 200th wicket 2013 Michael Clark at Old Trafford so that was 2 years to go from 100 to 200 2 years to go from 300 to 400 and 2 years to go from 400 to 500 and it, it the momentum and and actually just the longevity the, the the ability to stay on the park for 140 test matches only Anderson of faster bowlers has played more tests 153 Courtney Walsh he's in he's in sight of now Broad with his uh, 501 wickets, Courtney Walsh is 18 wickets ahead. And we always used to call Courtney Walsh, Faz, we always used to call him Duracell, because he kept going. He just kept going, but Broad is, is looking like that as well.
1: Yeah, and, and, and credit to him, because uh, I, I suppose maybe he would have, as Simon just, just explained, might have ex- accepted that he would have been dropped, but just remember, he was dropped for the first test in Barbados as well a year ago, and then he's dropped again in Southampton, so that must spur you on. And and I think he made all the difference in the last couple of test matches. Yes, the conditions were bowler friendly and all of that to a certain extent. Although the pitch appeared to be generally uh, quite placid, but uh, you've got you've got to give him credit. Uh, and and while there will always be that niggling feeling that 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 Stuart Broad uh, sometimes maybe when he when when he's appealing, for example, and doesn't turn around to the umpire to appeal properly, gets away with things and so on. Look at those numbers, five hundred test wickets, uh, and you, you can't argue with that. And I think the, the point is that because, again, there's now this rotation thing in place where there's so much test cricket that is congested and players being rested, are we seeing a situation where you've got in Broad and Anderson, two players who will probably be the last for a very long time to reach that sort of plateau?
2: Yeah, we were talking about that today um, in, in off-air, about you know who's going to be the next bowler to reach... 500 test match wickets and it's not that obvious at the moment perhaps Rabada who's, who's closing in on 200 wickets and he's what 25 years of age but it's, it's a lot of hard yards that isn't it to get up to to 500 test match wickets and and, and not many bowlers do it of course and you have to you have there's, there's something special about your your ability to, to keep going and keep just keep yourself on the park actually I mean talking to Alistair Cook about you know I, I remember saying to him once uh, I think he, he's playing his 150th Test match, and I said to him, you know, what, what's, what's been your greatest achievement? And he said, staying on the park for that many games. <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't talking about <laughs> his Not being dropped, yeah, but, not but being dropped, else. but just being, you know, just yeah. being physically fit enough to play that many Test matches. Mm. Faz, what about what about West Indies? then I mean, they've they've come here; it's been fantastic to have them. I mean, it really has. It's been great. It's been great for our cricket, you know, and our, and our public here that they they've come and they've made the sacrifices to come and play and 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 you know, tribute to them for that. What do they, what do they do with their team now do they do they say okay this is a learning experience or do they do they overhaul it um i suppose they've got a couple of players potentially to to come back in certainly in Hetmeier and and bravo to, to come back but is it is it is it sort of inch by inch really just say right okay keep going or do you, do you do you rip it up or do you just tinker a bit or do you say right no keep this keep this team together and just try to improve as bit by bit as time goes on I think
1: Simon, the first thing people will say is spare us the learning experience rhetoric because we've been hearing that for about twenty-five years. And and if you you, you check in the West Indies lose on average five test matches per year for the last twenty-three years, that that isn't a blip. That that isn't a slump. That that has become a culture of losing. So how do you get out of that? How do you? create an environment where players feel that they are in a a situation where they're not under pressure to the extent that as soon as they don't perform they're dropped but they know as well that this is an environment that demands excellence and I think that's a a classic example of Shea Hope. Shea Hope has been languishing around for about two years now and still is considered to be secure in the West Indies team because Jason Holder has faith in him that encourages mediocrity so how do you deal with that in an environment environment like the West Indies, which again, as you gentlemen know, where there's so much insularity, where people will say, well, you've got to bring in this one. There are too many Bajans in the team. You knew this was going to happen. Holder is going to favour his own Bajan players and all that sort of nonsense. Uh, But the, the numbers show the West Indies have been making incremental improvements over the last couple of years. But every time something like this happens and a series ends with such a dispiriting loss, you're going to have the usual cries for wholesale changes, which I don't think will build, solve anything. But it's about recognising that you've, you've got to be sensible about selections. You've got to recognise that in the present environment, you can't play the same 11 for three consecutive matches. You can't give your, your fast bowlers the same workload for three consecutive test matches and expect them to be as effective in the last as they were in the first. So I think it's a failure by both the captain and the coach and the, 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 the team think tank. To recognise these realities and adjust to suit.
0: There's one clue in the in the stats: is uh, the uh, the only time in the series when the West Indies scored 300, they won the Test at Southampton, and in their last 14 innings, that's the only total of over 300. So, you know, they are showing real vulnerability in the batting order.
1: That might be worthy of consideration, if only the, the, there's there's the feeling that there's pressure on Shane Dorridge as we could keep a batsman. I, I don't see the Silva coming in purely as a batsman, simply because you've got the likes of Darren Bravo and Shimron Hetmyer waiting to come back in. So you think that if you really look at the batting lineup, I think John Campbell needs to needs to be dropped. Uh, Shea Hope probably uh, he should have been dropped for this test match, as far as I was concerned, together with Campbell. Uh, but will they drop? drop uh, She-Hope or, or feel that he's so much of a class player and all of that uh, that they will got to persist with him but I think there's enough quality around but again the issue Simon is are these players really motivated enough to pursue excellence or are they in a situation where they're very comfortable where, where they find themselves in, in, in a very relaxed situation they're not under enormous pressure and as a result of that the mediocre performances don't really bite or sting As they should.
0: And when is the next time that the Westerners are likely to play?
1: We're not exactly clear because. At uh, this time, we should, be, uh, should have been getting ready for a back-to-back series against New Zealand and South Africa. COVID-19 put paid to all of that. We know now that the CPL is going to be played entirely in Trinidad and Tobago. In Trinidad specifically, Queen's Park Oval, Brian Lara Stadium from August the 18th. Uh, whether they can fit... Uh, something with with either South Africa, either before CPL or after CPL, we have to wait and see because nothing is is, is definite right now. C, uh, really, COVID-19 has put everything up in the air.
0: Let's uh, just have a quick look at, at England's uh, final stats in the series. Ben Stokes averaging 90 in the in the three tests, 363 runs. Uh, Dominic Bess is next, but I mean he, that's uh, slightly sort of distorted by. Uh, a not out or two. Stuart Broad actually averaging seventy three with the bat. So does he suddenly claim all rounder status again? But the, the key, I suppose, is just below those two, uh, three numbers is Burns and Sibley. Burns averaging forty six. Sibley averaging forty five. So that's an encouraging sign for England, Simon. That isn't it? That although they don't set the world alight in terms of uh, aesthetically pleasing the viewer, they do build a platform
2: well england have set out to be more solid at the top of the order and to some extent it it, it sort of felt like a slightly frustrating partnership on the third afternoon when they were sort of plodding along you, you, you knew the weather forecast was bad for the, the fourth day but it, it sort of came good in the end they scored quickly enough ultimately to better declare and then take a, a couple of wickets but that, that you know that is a clear plan england look to the top of the order they want to be solid they don't want to be you know, twenty for two after two overs of people playing shot after shot. They want to be solid at the top. So that you know that that is something that's a sort of work in progress. We'll see how that develops in the next uh, year or so. Uh, it's been fascinating to see how England get, get on, say, against with with that plan in against India, both home and away, and of course ultimately in Australia. I mean, one encouraging thing you might say um, from this Test match is that Ben Stokes made very little contribution whatsoever. He's been very good in the series so far, you know, dominated the second Test man the match, scored stacks of runs, taken wickets. In this game, I worked out that he was effectively minus two, because he, he only made 20, and he dropped John, John Campbell, and, and Campbell went on to score 22 more runs, so he was sort of minus two for the game. So, I mean, you could argue in a sort of perverse sort of way that it was, a, it was a sort of negative contribution from Stokes, but in a way, that's good because England, England were able to win without him and they they've been so uh, reliant on him, uh, so that that was a, a, another bonus for England. Uh, what what do they do going for? Well, I I still think they are they are a team that with you know you, you you still never quite know what you get, but in English conditions, especially conditions like we've had in in Manchester the last couple of weeks, it, you know it's hard to to bet against them. They're a, they're a they're a tough team to to crack at home, aren't they? I mean their challenges come when they play away from home and when they play you know, against, potentially against the top nations. Like, for example, last summer, they were not able to win back the Ashes.
0: I suppose they're lucky at the moment that they've got four of the greatest cricketers they've ever produced in the same team, Anderson, Broad, Stokes and Root, who's you know still averaging around 50. So they've got to make sure that those other guys around the fringes, particularly the spinners, the openers... And the numbers, sort of five, six, sort of area that they tell well, it'll be six and seven actually, won't it? it, it once uh, they reordered with Root at four, so it's kind of Butler and obviously Pope's emerging, and then the other bowler and the spinners. You think you sense Archer will will add, you know, plenty of uh, of weight to that bowling attack. So it's sort of beginning to shape up pretty well. How they, you know, in the end. The, the proof will be how they deal with India and, and Australia, obviously, away from home. But you sort of feel they're going in the right direction. Yeah, uh, to some extent. You're right. I mean, they have got, they have got uh, as we've discussed
2: a few times, they have got some top, top class cricketers. Whether they've got a, a top class team, yeah, I, I don't think they have. And there's still, there's still those areas you talk about, you know, spin, for example. Dominic Best didn't bowl a single ball. A single ball. Mm. In this test match, I mean that was partly due to the fact that they've got a, they had this relentless pace bowling attack, but he didn 't bowl particularly well in in the last game either in in you know quite helpful conditions, albeit against 10 uh, right-handers, so spin's an issue, the, w- the wicket-keeper-batsman position's an issue, and the top order, well, you know, it, it may be that they, they're beginning to, to solve that issue, but, of course, in this game, they, they fiddled around with their top order because they, they played Crawley at three in the last game and they dropped him for this game. So, you know, there are still, there are, those are the sort of three issues, and, of course, you know, sometime or other, I mean, no-one's immortal, but sometime or other, Anderson and Broad are going to t- leave the scene, um you know they are god knows when
0: you know I mean, well that's it i mean 84 miles an hour i mean <laughs> I it's, it's amazing i i foolishly wrote sort of last year that i thought anderson might have played his last test match and i don't want to see him bowling with the keeper stood up bowling at 73 miles an hour but no doesn't seem to be any danger of that at the moment what were you
2: what were you bowling when you were 38 years of age Oz? <laughs> about 62
0: 54 54 yeah uh well yeah i mean actually it was being hit back harder than i i bowled it i think uh and so, so, anyway, overall, wonderful the cricket's been back. We haven't really noticed, as viewers, I haven't noticed particularly, the lack of a crowd, actually. Faz, I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I, I think as a fan, especially watching it on television, you, you like the buzz, you, you like the occasional shot, seeing the fans and the fancy dress and whatever, whichever part of the world it is, whatever distinguishes the crowd in any part of the world. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the cricket it comes down to those 22 yards and what is happening out in the middle and for example from a West Indies perspective there were all the usual anxieties about trying to scramble to get that victory on the last day at Southampton and then it really didn't matter if there were five people or 50,000 uh, because at the end of the day it's the, it's the game that's important. Yes, I think the fans make a huge difference as to the field, to the atmosphere how the players respond to, to the, the urgings of the crowd or the barracking of the crowd. I, I, I I think it's, it's almost indispensable, but at the end of the day, if, you, if you've got to choose, of course, you don't just want fans on the ground with no cricket, you prefer the other way around, and I think we were delighted to see a better cricket itself
2: and the cricket was was pretty good actually for two test matches you think about it a really excellent game in southampton really hard fought game and then west indies got within an hour of saving the game in the second test match this game i think ultimately was a a bit disappointing i think west indies were were well beaten jason holder said it afterwards you know we were we were totally outplayed by a you know a very good england side in these conditions and he, and he was absolutely right you know we had bags of weather problems but west indies were, una- were unable to sort of hold back the dam really in this game, but all in all, it's it's been uh, you know a really welcome and hugely enjoyable uh, return to cricket. But we we can't wait, I think, for spectators to come back into our grounds. It's all beginning to happen in the in the county game. Two and a half thousand being allowed in for the for the match at the Oval after one thousand for the friendly game between Surrey and Middlesex. So. It's beginning to happen. Let's hope that you know we will not have to then take another few steps back. That it might continue where more and more people are allowed into grounds. But who, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? It's so uncertain. And,
0: and as far as uh, Trinidad is concerned, I mean, you're probably the, the wrong time of day for you, really, with the with these games being on. But I I, I love this image of um, you know West Indians clustering round a rum shop, watching the cricket in the background on a little TV at the back of the bar. Has there been any of that, or is it, It's probably, you know, it's probably the wrong time of day, isn't
1: it? Wrong time of day, uh, wrong sort of mood in the Caribbean because of uh, this culture yeah. of losing. And just to add to that, You've got election fever here in Trinidad and Tobago. We've got a general election coming up on August the 10th. So they're clustering around in the rum shops, arguing about who's going to be the better prime minister <laughs> than, than this one or the other. Uh, and occasionally they're saying, how are the Westernies doing? OK, uh, we're struggling. Well, no surprise.
2: <laughs> what, what is the political situation there then, Faz? What, what, who, who, is, who, is, who is going to win the election and what, what are their colours?
1: Well, it's, a, it's red versus yellow it's it's a, a pretty close call the, the the ruling party the people's national movement they are sort of the default government of Trinidad and Tobago they've they've essentially ruled uh, for 48 of our 50, of our 64 years uh, since uh, the, we've had our, our local government elections as they were known in 1956. But uh, they ruled for 30 years straight up till 1986. But since then, we've changed governments every term, almost every term. So it's almost as if you get into office, you struggle to deal with all of the different challenges of a multi ethnic uh, country and with all of the different social strains and so many different economic challenges and the crime and so on. and then you lose and then you're replaced by the opposition who then struggle similarly and then it's vice versa so if that were to follow then the yellows are going to win uh on august the 10th the united national congress although it could be a lot closer than many people might be thinking
0: sounds like the way you select a west indies coach actually um so listen, <laughs> thank, Faz, thank you so much for for joining us during this series uh well done on your prediction and your prize is, is in the post uh simon Are you just relieved to be escaping the biosecure bubble at last? I've hugely enjoyed uh, watching this
2: series, but I am looking forward to going home for a couple of days before coming back to Old Trafford uh, next Tuesday for the start of another test series. Would you believe another test series starting?
1: Can I just quickly add, gentlemen, that I don't expect to be asked another prediction. I'd like to retire with a 100% winning record, please.
0: <laughs> well, you're a much better predictor than either of us anyway. So uh, congratulations and thanks for all your input and insight. It's been really interesting. Simon... Get on the road and go and see your wife because she does actually want to see you. I think even if it's only, only brief. Not sure about that. Thanks for all your time, uh, you both both of you. And uh, as Simon mentioned, the next test match starts on Wednesday week against Pakistan. The three test series. Uh, we'll be back with you to review the first day of that series. In the meantime, enjoy the break. And thanks for listening. <laughs>